So today we're going to end this with um, a final teaching of what the activity of heaven, one of the activities of heaven, that actually some of that activity is happening right here in this room today. And so I want you to turn with me to Revelation chapter 5 verse 11 and we're going to talk about something I believe is just going to be a true, true blessing to you today. So here was the Apostle John. You remember we started this. He was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. While he was there, on the Lord's day, the Holy Spirit began to come upon him and Jesus began to give him a revelation of what heaven would be like and the things to come. And one of the activities, one of the primary activities of heaven, and there's going to be a lot of activity. You're going to be laughing. You're going to be cutting up. You're going to be eating. Uh, you're, you're going to visit and see places. Your productivity of the gifts and the callings God's put on you, all these things, friends, they don't all go away. They just get redeemed for the proper way they were to be meant. So you're, it's, it's going to be a blast. But there's going to be one thing that out of all these things we do, this is going to be the primary thing that's going to be happening in the activity of heaven because it's happening right now and it's happening in this room. You ready? Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. And John, while he was in that realm, he's been taken by Jesus and Jesus showing him things of the heavenly realm and what's to come. Look what he sees. Then I looked again and I heard the voices of thousands and millions of angels around the throne and of the living beings and the elders. And they sang a mighty chorus. Worthy is the lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea. They sang. They sang. It just wasn't heaven. He was hearing something coming from earth, penetrating into heaven, joining the rest of them. Do you know why the Spirit of God is moving on you? Because heaven has heard something and it's responding from what's coming out of your lips and out of your heart today. And what did they hear? Blessing and honor and glory and power belongs to the one sitting on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever and ever and ever. And just about the time you think we blessed him enough, we hadn't done him enough because it's going to be forever and ever. How many believe we ought to start practicing right now for what's going to wait, wait, be waiting for us when we get there? Amen? Worthy is the Lamb. So there's something that is being heard in heaven. Now come on. You say, you believe that, Pastor? Well, listen, if they know when one person comes to Jesus, and Jesus said all heaven, angels and all of heaven rejoices over one person coming to Jesus Christ. Come on, if they know that, then they ought to know when you're hearing the name of Jesus being exalted, worthy is the Lamb. So you're moving the heart of God here while they're in earth and heaven worshiping him. So my point today is what I want to teach you is how do I need to worship on earth while I'm waiting for my worship in heaven? This is all practice 
that God's preparing for heaven. How many are looking forward to that? So today what I want to give you, because we're in this Thanksgiving season, and we're in praise and worship, and I thought this is exactly the way we need to end this series, is the worship of heaven and the worship of earth that he was hearing while he was in heaven. He heard something coming out of creatures here. And they're hearing something coming out of you today. So what I want to show you today is that you need to have a good theology of worship and praise. I mean, because some people, if you don't know the reason why you worship, here's what happened. You stop doing what others have done because no one has told you why. I just don't do things to do things in church. I want to know the why. And when I understand the why, I can do it with great confidence knowing the purpose behind it. But if you don't tell people the why in church, your kids will stop doing what you've done. And you understand it can't be, well, just because grandma did it and this is what we are and we're charismatic, Pentecostal, gospel people, that's just the way we behave. No, that's not good enough. And that's the reason why you got some dead, dried up believers and dead, dried up churches right now. Dead, dried up youth groups and dead, dried up young adult ministries. Dead, dried up adult ministries. It's because they don't understand the theology of why you worship him. So I'm going to tell you the why of why we worship. But before we do that, I want you to read Psalm 100 with me. Because it's, this little short five verses gives a great theology on why the worship is in heaven and why you need to worship on earth. You ready for this? Psalm 100, starting with verse 1. These five little verses in this chapter. He says, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come, to, come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. That, my friends, is the reason why you worship and praise him. Now, I know that's not good enough for some of y'all, so I'm going to break it down just a little bit more for you, okay? We're just going to go, we're going to dive deep, and we're just going to bless his name today. We're going to praise him. Now, I don't know what brought you here to church today, you know? I mean, I know it's the holiday weekend. I don't know what brought you. You know, maybe the family said, well, you know, I, I didn't, I don't have cable TV, and I, I don't have Hulu, and I don't have any of that other stuff, so we just go to church around here, so you're going to have to come with us. That might have been the reason he showed up. Some of you have a lot of reasons for you to come. Some of you come because you like this guy and you like this Pastor Meredith and you like Pastor Taylor and you come because you want to be with them. Good. We like them too. So it's good people to hang out with. There's only three of us that like you guys. I just want you to know. Just three. That's it. That's all we got here. We're working on it. That's all we got right now. But Brenda, Pastor Brenda and I, we love you guys. You're still not going to help him out. Come on, I'm, I'm throwing you a bone, church. Come on, amen. I'm throwing you a bone here. <laughs> oh, I thought, just when I thought I've trained y'all. Y'all backslide just like that, amen. There are a lot of reasons you come because you like, you like this ministry to young adults. And if some of you are that age, the young adults, you really need to be connecting with this group because I'm telling you, it is life-giving. 
and you need to have your young people. It's life-giving, this ministry. And that may be one of the reasons you come. Maybe you, maybe you come to this church because you like the 50-plus group because they're having a blast and sign up for their, their miracle on 44th Street, right? Right? Some of you come because you like the small groups. You love the connection and you love to pray with people. And everybody, every person should be a part of the small group. You love the study of the word. Uh, you, you, there's a lot of reasons you come. You, you like the kids' ministry, the nursery. You love the nursery because they take such incredible care and ministry for your kids. And they're not just changing diapers back there. Do you know that when they change the diaper, they speak the blessing of your child, speak the blessing of God over your child and call out their name? People are blessing your child. Some of you like it because your kids, they can just run like crazy at play place and be worn out so you don't have to deal with them the rest of the afternoon. There's a lot of reasons people come. Or some of you come because you just like Pastor Sam and Brenda. Throwing you <laughs> There's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of reasons to show up to this church, right? This is a great place. But let me tell you the primary reason for me being your pastor, the primary reason why I love being here on Sunday the primary reason why you're here and you're watching on, the primary reason is we have come to worship Jesus Christ. That is the primary reason that we come and we want him to be known. Primary reason we are here is to worship him, to glorify him. Now, the problem is, is that people don't realize that in churches. Do you realize that in churches right now, there may be somebody here even right now, do you know there are too many Christians that are enduring the worship time instead of enjoying the worship time. It could be because of a bad example or they don't understand the theology of worship or the power of what's happening when they're worshiping there and why they do it there and why we do it here on earth. But I want you to know Psalm 100 teaches you the who of worship. It shows you the why of worship and it shows you the ways that you can worship. And so many people, just those five little verses will transform your worship here on earth. So you're waiting while you're waiting on the worship in heaven. How many are you ready for that? Amen? So first of all, you understand is who we worship. Who we worship. Now look what he said in Psalm 100 verse 3. He says, acknowledge, acknowledge the Lord is God. Acknowledge that he is the Lord. He is God. So the focus of our worship is God. That's focus. And that's the foundation of worship. Every single human being that has existed on the planet Earth is wired for worship to God and what God has brought around them. But let me just say this to you. We're so wired for worship that when we don't worship God, we worship other things and other idols. It, it, you know, your car is not bad, but you may worship your car. Your money's not bad, but you may worship your money, your job. You may worship your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife. You might even be worshiping your children more than you are God. Because we are wired for worship, so we will, even if you're an atheist and you think that I am some ignorant, religious, right-wing, Bible-thumping, country bumpkin, which I'm not. But can I tell you, you are worshiping something and you don't even realize it. You are screaming and shouting at your grandkids' soccer game because you're wired for worship. Okay, you were busting a move to a song that you were dancing to because you're wired for worship. Everybody is wired for worship. You worship something. But what people don't realize, the reason that is in you is because the focus is the worship of God himself. He is the foundation for the worship that comes out of human beings. 
and there's only, if there's any reason to worship, it's only because there's God. If you should worship anything, you can enjoy things, but the one thing you must worship above all other things, it is God alone. Why? Because Psalm 47 says, because he is your Lord, worship him. Well, I don't like the song. Sorry. If he's your Lord, just worship him. Well, I don't like the rhythm. Sorry. If you say he's your Lord, just worship him. Well, I don't like the preaching. Sorry. Just worship him. Because he's your Lord. Now, when you look at the focus of the Old Testament, notice what it is. Jehovah is God. That's the focus of worship in the Old Testament. Or the Lord is God. When you get to the New Testament, Jesus Christ is God. He's equal to God. He's God with skin on. And Jesus is Lord. So whenever you look at the Bible, the focus of the Bible is Jesus is Jehovah. Jesus is God. He's the one to be worshipped. And you cannot truly worship until you believe there is only one God. There's only one King of Kings. There's only one Lord of Lords. And his name is Jesus Christ the Lord who is worthy of all your praise. He is the focus. He is the who of the worship. Now, he's not just the focus of your worship because he's your father. Uh, because, he, because he's the focus. He's God. But you also worship him because he's your father. Look what it says in, in Psalm 10, 3, uh, Psalm 103. It says, he made us. He made us. And we are his. We are his people. And I love this. He calls us sheep of his pasture. See, people don't get this. People don't get this. Now we have, we have a real issue with people even knowing their identity of who they are. And they're going to create themselves to whatever they feel they need to be. But what they do not understand is, is you don't create God in your image. God created you in his image. And what we always have people doing is they say, well, if I was God, well, here's the deal. You're not. You're just not. You're not God. And he says, the reason you worship him is because he is the father. Friends, can I tell you, you were created, ma'am, young lady, you were created in the image of God Almighty. You're the most beautiful thing on the planet Earth because the image of God is in you. Sir, you are the most beautiful thing in the planet Earth because you were created in the image of God. I don't care what the latest style is. I don't care how many what TikTok says or what social media says or what beauty is. I'm telling you, when you discover you were fashioned and created in the image of God Almighty, you ought to wake every morning and say, hey, you good-looking thing, you... You ought to, seriously, you ought to start looking at yourself differently and quit sizing yourself up on your body type and your hair and your style and your weight and your socioeconomic level. You ought to not sit there and size yourself up against your other siblings. You ought to say, God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I was created in my mother's womb before I began to breathe and every one of my days are recorded in your book. You are created in the image of God. You need to preach it to yourself. You need to sing it to yourself. You need to say it to yourself. I am the image bearer of God. Now, 
you understand why Satan's jacking with your identity. Now you can understand why he wants to kill every baby before it's ever born. Now you can understand why he's messing with your marriage and messing with your mind and messing with your body image. Now you can understand it because every time he looks at you, all he sees is God. Come on, friend. You are created in God's image because he is your father. That's why he is the one who you worship. Mm. And then he calls you sheep. It's not a bad thing. It's imagery. It means that I'll protect you, Sam. And I'm the provision for your life. I am your protector. And I'm your provision. Everything you need from him, he has to provide for you and protect you. That's the reason why I worship him. Is not because he needs to perform for me. It's because he is my father. He is the who of my worship. Above every, I get to enjoy a lot of things. I love my wife and I enjoy her. I enjoy what working here at this church and I enjoy our pastors. I enjoy this church. But they are not the focus of my worship. Can I tell you? They receive blessing and they receive honor because I keep the focus of my worship centered on the God, the creator, who made me image and made them in his image. Can you give God praise for who he is? He's your provider, your protector. He is the one that made you. He is the who of worship. Okay, we can go on with that. But now let's talk about the why, the why of worship. Let's go to, let's go to Psalm 10, verse 4 and 5. Enter his gates with grumbling. Now enter his courts with what, everybody? Thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever. And his faithfulness continues to each generation. Oh, think about that. Thanksgiving and praise, friends, they are the keys to the presence of God. And can I tell you when I don't feel like giving thanks and praise? It's when I'm walking through the deepest, darkest valley of my life because I have an adversary who says, is he really there? But I have discovered that in the depths of the deepest despair, I have found him there in my thanksgiving and praise because I'm going to tell you, the enemy will throw your eyes off of every good thing because one bad thing is occurring in your life. So I want to praise him. So what is praise for? Praise is for who he is. I praise him because of who he is. He, he is my father. He is my shepherd. He is the foundation of my worship. But thanksgiving is for what he's done for me. He has done a lot of things, and he's still doing a lot of things for Pastor Sam and Pastor Brenda. And I could get my eyes off him, but I'm going to keep looking and keep seeing it because it's all around me. Give thanks. Give thanks. It's the spirit of appreciation. Why don't you start thanking God for your spouse, thanking God for your church, thanking God for your business. Go ahead and thank God for that dirty diaper because there's going to be a day you wish you could do it all over again. Thank him for it. Do you know what that is? It's, it's the spirit of appreciation. Do you know what appreciation does? I, I don't know about the rest of you, but I want my house to keep appreciating. And you know how it appreciates? 
It keeps appreciation. It goes up in value. It keeps going up in value in the market. It keeps going up, going in value. But you know what? If I don't invest in that house and I keep letting it erode, it takes away the value and it depreciates. It, it loses its appreciation. I wanted to keep on appreciating. Do you know how you want to, you want to know how to make your wife, your husband better? Keep appreciating him. You got to invest the words. You got to invest the time. You got to invest, raise it in value. The problem is, is that we live in a culture where we don't do that anymore. We have lost, we are losing gratitude in our culture very quick. We've got such an entitlement culture. I'm just telling you, it is so amazing to me how quick people can complain before they compliment. I mean, it's, it's frightening to me. I just, I, I'm sorry, it just, it, and I get it. I know there's some things you got to deal with. I know there's some things you got to talk. I understand that. I'm not trying to say just let everybody walk over you, but I'm telling you, we are quick to complain and rarely do we compliment. Isn't it amazing? I wonder how many other employees at your job have ever, I wonder how many bosses on your job have ever gotten a written card from their employees saying, I want to appreciate you for what you do. I wonder how many of y'all done it. But the moment, the moment something happens on that gym, the moment you're not recognized, the moment you got to do a little extra time, we're quick to complain to everybody in the church, I mean on that job. My small group is going to hear about it. You want to raise the value of your church? Appreciate it. Compliment it. You'd be surprised sometimes. I don't hear from people the whole 18 years I hear until they have a problem. Then I finally hear from them. Sila. Never heard a compliment from them. I guarantee it's the same way with your boss and your job. You want to raise value? Go. You want, you want to give your boss a cardiac arrest? You really want to get rid of him? Go write him a handwritten note card saying, thank you. I was thinking of Thanksgiving and so grateful that I have this job. Yeah, but he's a jerk. Well, change him by appreciating what he does do right or she does right. Compliment your family. So the turkey didn't turn out so hot. Okay. <laughs> Oh, what do I wear, a burnt offering for God? No, stop being a jerk. Keep your mouth shut. The green bean casserole turned out great. Compliment it. Baby, this is the best one I ever tasted. And just mix it with that dried out turkey white meat and just swallow it and choke it down. You know why we need to worship? Because it appreciates God. It raises the value of who God is in us and the people around us to give appreciation, to give thanksgiving. And God moves in that. I don't know about you, but I'm attracted to people who compliment me. I don't want them saying, hey, Pastor Sam, you like that sweater you got on better than what's in style this year? <laughs> Keep your yap shut. I don't want to hear it. I want to wear it. It's for me, not you. It's for her, not you. Amen. When she tells me it's ugly, you'll stop seeing it being worn in this church. All right? That right, baby? You bought it. See, she bought it for me. That's why I wear it right there. I'm a good man. Is that what you said? I bought that too. That's right. But listen, that's the hallmark. This is, it, it, isn't it interesting 
that Paul told Timothy, you want to identify, you really want to know what the end times is going to look like? I know Israel, everybody's watching Israel and all that stuff, great. You should watch Israel. It is the time clock to all the prophetic things happening. I get it. You know, what Pastor Sam, I'm watching Russia, I'm watching China. Yeah, go watch all that. Listen to all your prophetic preacher. But if you really want to know it's the end times, why don't you read 2 Timothy chapter 3 and let me show you a hallmark of the end times. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Here we go. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving. They will be unloving and unforgiving. You want to know the hallmark? They're going to be exactly that. And the lack of gratitude and thanksgiving for the things that are around them is going to be a primary hallmark because it's just like the children of Israel, the people of God, when they came out of Egypt and were in the wilderness, God could never perform enough good things for them. There was never enough. So what will be the hallmark of you and me? Guess what will happen? We'll become more grateful. We become more thankful. We're going to become more loving people to people who don't love us and even think that we're crazy for what we believe in Jesus Christ. We're going to become more humble. We're going to become more encouraging to people. We're going to become more obedient to the Word of God. We become more of what He is like, and they will become less of like He's like what He's like. That is the why you need to praise and give thanksgiving to God because you become more like Him. But He said the last days are going to be like spoiled kids. Can't get enough. Isn't that, don't you just, doesn't it just bug you when you see a spoiled kid? Doesn't it bug you? Maybe you're not saying amen because you got one. I don't know. But doesn't it bug you? I mean, it just bugged me. You, you, you pay for the clothes that they wear, then you got to wash the clothes that you paid for. You pay, you gotta go down to the store, you gotta, you gotta go pick the food, you gotta go pay for the food, then you gotta prepare the food that you paid for. Then you gotta go buy their bed. You don't just buy their bed, you gotta make their bed because they're too lazy to make their own bed. They wanna change the world, but they can't clean the room. And then when you get to, then, then, then on, you know, he's saying there's like, they get like spoiled children. Then like it's on Christmas and all of a sudden you get them a brand new cell phone and there's tears coming down their eyes, not of joy, but their bottom lips start sticking out because they wanted the Apple 15 Pro Max and you got the, the Samsung G23 and this is not the one I wanted. And you know what I want to say? I want to say, listen to kid, you're not even going to get a flip phone this year. Let me tell you right now, with the big old buttons, you're not, gonna, I'm gonna, you're not even going to get, Get two cans with a string between it. Here's, here's what you can do, kid. I'm going to give you some wood and some matches, and you can send smoke signals up to your friend to communicate because you're not getting nothing. <laughs> Meet me. <laughs> Rivertown Mall. <laughs> God said, that's not going to be you, kids. I don't want Pastor Sam to be that. I don't want you to be that church. 
I want us to be the most generous people. If we have the power to bless it, it's within our words, it's within our time, it's within our treasures and our finances. I'm going to look at it and say, God, would you please help us to be more like you? And the more we worship him... <clears throat> The more humble we get, the more generous we get, the more thankful we get, the more obedient we get, and we're just looking for an opportunity to praise him. Come on, amen. We will, we will praise him at the grand opening of a supermarket. We're just going to bless him, amen. <clears throat> That's the why, because it makes you more like him. Oh, now, I love the theology of the psalmist in Psalm 100, <clears throat> because then he shows you that there are a lot of ways to worship. Oh, folks, you know, when you're laughing, do you know we're worshiping the Lord? Do you know why you were sitting there cutting turkey and you were goofing around with your grandkids? Do you know you're worshiping the Lord? Do you know when you go to work tomorrow, your work is worship to the Lord? Did you know that? Did you know that? All that, your interaction with your friends, each other, is wall worship. But there's a lot of ways to worship, but I love how Psalm 100, the psalmist shows the types of worship just in Psalm 100 alone. Because there's a lot of types. You're reading the English, but you don't see the impact of what the Hebrew implications of these words really were. So let me show what it, let me just go with me to go with me to Psalm 100. Look at verse one and then one and two. Just look at those two, just those verses. Then we'll go to verse four. He says, "Shout to the Lord, all the earth." When you look at that word, "shout to the Lord with joy," the Hebrew word there is ruah, which literally means to split the ears. It means to praise with such joy, with such a cry out unto God, with such a shout, it splits the ears of your enemy. Woo! Come on, church, we ought to praise him better than the interception that happened at the Michigan-Ohio game. Amen. <laughs> I, should, I shouldn't have done that. I should not have done that. Now the anointing has lifted, it's just gone. Because I noticed that those who were not praising were Ohio fans. I know that. I get it. I have a sermon series on overcoming offenses that will help you. You can get it online. Amen. <laughs> Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Not just some of you, but all the earth. Do you know that heaven hears the shouts of praise coming out of your mouth, whether you're in concert fashion or you're by yourself? And then in verse 2, he says, worship the Lord with gladness. The Hebrew word there, you go, okay, I just be smile, gladness. No, it's the word abad, abad. It literally means to be serving or to serve someone. Do you realize when you become a hero and you go serve someone, that is worship to the Lord? Do you know that when you serve each other or serve someone who's not a believer on your job and you do something just to serve them, God says it is worship with gladness. It's abad. It means to worship him with service or a servant's heart. When you serve in this church, can I tell you, they're watching your kids right now where they're, God hears worship coming out of those workers right now because they're, they're abad before the Lord. And it says, come before him with singing and with joy. Then go to verse 4. He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. That's the word toda. Toda. It literally means to have a choir singing. It's a choir of worshipers. I love when I get to sing alone in my car because that's the only time I can stand to listen to myself. But when you get with this whole group, we don't care if you're off key, on key. The only time you're on beats when you cross it. 
We don't care if you're out of tune or in tune, but when this whole choir of you clear up in the top of the balcony and we start joining with Pastor Drew and the worship team, can I tell you, we are entering his courts with Toda, the choir of worshipers. And it says, and then go, it says, go, go into his courts with praise. That word there is Tahila, not Tequila, Tahila. About the same effect, but without the hangover. Come on, amen? What does that mean? That word tehila, it literally means that you now take your words and you put them into a song. You put chords to it. You put rhythm to them. And it becomes tehila praise. See, you're just seeing English words, but it goes much deeper. There's all kinds of praise. And then it says, give thanks to him. Give thanks to him. That word right there is the word yada. Yada, Y-A-D-A-H, yada. It means to extend. You say, why do these people lift their hands? I mean, are they still excited about the football game? Touchdown, what is it? What are they doing? No, it means to extend your hands as a sign of intimate worship to God. This, this is not yada worship. Sorry, that's not yada. This is yada. He's saying, when you give thanks, lift your hands and worship to him and praise his name. And that word praise his name, say, oh, that's a praise his name. But the word praise there is actually the word barak, B-A-R-A-K. Barak, it means to get down on bended knees in quiet adoration before God. So that means that God says, there's sometimes I don't want you to shout. I want you just to get in quiet reverence. Get on your knees and just begin to worship God. Do you see all this, the ways you can worship? God says, this is what it, and it moves, not just earth, it moves heaven. And heaven begins to start moving on earth. Just as, and, and, and I love, how many of you love that God has that variety in worship? You love that? We got some churches where I'm just going to be Barak. And then there's a, there's a, another Hebrew word for shouting called Shabbat. And some churches say, we're going to be Shabbat. Oh, God's only moved Shabbat. And other people say, no, we're only going to be Barak. Well, I think what I need to be the balance of the church. And so they're Barakin too much. So I'm going to go over Shabakin. <laughs> That's what it comes when you have order in service. Don't, don't try to be the balance of our church. That while we're Barakin, you start Shabakin. And we're Shabakin, you say, we need to Barak. <laughs> just know that God takes us through all types of phases and styles of worship and music. And just there are many types of worship and styles of worship, there are styles of song that God uses through each generation of praise and worship so that the tehila, the tehila can come out, that the choir, the toda of people can come out and worship God. It's moving heaven. Heaven hears it. John heard the, he the earth singing the worship, and heaven starts moving down here on earth because God inhabits the worship of his people. He enthrones himself on the praises of Israel. He enthrones himself on the praises of humans that are worshiping, glorifying him. But the problem is, is that some people don't think God can come through a different type or style of worship song. So they harumph when it's not their style. Remember who's being worshipped, and what's not being worshipped is Sam Reifkogel's personal preference. God moved on me at nine years old, and I can remember it at Faith Tabernacle in Garden City, Kansas, a little bitty country church. And do you know the song that moved me to the altar? 
was the song he touched me. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened. And now I know he touched me and made me whole. I cried like a baby. I, get, I still get moved when I hear the song today. I remember I was nine years old in church because my parents brought me to church. I got moved by God. Now, if I let the Gaithers, because that's it, and I say, God can't move unless he's moving and he touched me, and in that genre of music, what I have done is I have made my personal preference sacred. And personal preferences and style are not sacred. God uses them. But we have too many believers saying, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go to a different church because I don't like that style of music. And I, no, no, no. Before you start busting down on that, Remember, the generation that preceded you had the same feeling when you were singing your song. See, and some won't eat because they don't like how God delivers his presence. How many enjoyed turkey dinner this year? How many enjoyed it? Did you love it? It was delicious, wasn't it? Delicious. But what if God, what if in the family... You decide you're not going to eat certain dishes, not based on the content, but based on the dish it came in. Your son's watching you, and there's the green bean casserole, my favorite, the toasted French onions on top. That'll heal you, man. I'm telling you, that'll heal you. And there they are. And what if you're standing there, and your son, the next generation following you is there, and your son goes to dip that green bee casserole, and you say, don't, don't touch that. Don't touch that casserole. Dad, what is it? Dad, what is it? You're, you're a man of God. What is it? What is it? What is it, Dad? Is it food poisoning? Well, what is it, Dad? You see that dish? Yeah, Dad. That's an oval dish, and your mom and I do not eat out of oval dishes. All right, Dan. He's passing the sweet potato casserole with the marshmallows toasted just with a little, just a little bit beyond that little golden brown. You can smell the cinnamon and you can see the, the pecans on the top. And all of a sudden you go dipping into that. And all of a sudden you reach out to dip it out and your dad says, don't touch that one either. Dad, what is it? What is it? What, what is, it? Is, it, is, it, is it? Is it because Aunt Mildred made it? Did she sneeze over it a minute ago? What, what, what is it, Dad? What, 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 what is it? No, you see that? That is a rectangle dish and your mom and I do not receive anything out of a rectangle dish. That's about as foolish as it comes when people say, I refuse to eat of the worship when it's pointed toward him, but I don't like the contents or the container that God delivered it in. I get it. I'm seven years old. And I've already experienced a lot of styles 
But you know what my responsibility is? My responsibility is that when God serves something in a container that I'm not accustomed to, or a preacher that I'm not accustomed to, all my responsibility is is to take the lid off in obedience, then take my spiritual fork and pick through the contents. And if I find that the contents have the right ingredients of Jesus Christ and him crucified, glorified, resurrected, returning, when I start seeing that it is the adoration of Jesus Christ and him alone, all I'm responsible to do is stick my spiritual fork in and taste and see that the Lord is good, whether he used an oval, a rectangle, or an octagon. It may be a different kind of preacher. It may be a different kind of song. But church, we are going to worship and praise him. There are a lot of different ways to praise him. We can shout. We can sing. We can dance. We can celebrate. In fact, I think we ought to just do it right now just because we want to. Amen? Amen. Just because we want to praise him. Just because you want to. Well, I'm afraid we're going to get too emotional. We're going to get fanatics. Well, shazam, Gomer Pyle. Y'all need to watch Gomer Pyle sometime. You'll know who I'm talking about. People say, I'm afraid we're going to get fanatics. I get it. I get it. You know one of the greatest compliments I get? One of my favorite compliments? No, not that I'm hot. Don't stop it. I'm preaching, not you. (laughs) One of the greatest compliments I get from this church is when people talk to me about how I express my love to Brenda and the way I treat her. That is the greatest compliment you can give me. And let me tell you how it doesn't come. It doesn't come with me standing in front of her, closing my eyes, and not saying a word, and just thinking, I love you in my heart, and that's what counts. Praise is not praise until it becomes visual and vocal. And that's why the psalmist, and that's why heaven has visual, vocal praise. Yeah, but Pastor Sam, I'm just so afraid that somebody's going to get fanatical. I get it. I know you fear some people fanatical. I get it. Light draws bugs. And the brighter the light, the bigger the bugs you get. But I'm going to tell you whose responsibility is to take care of fanatics. That's me and this pastoral team and our leadership. You let us handle it. We'll take care of it and we'll help people get balanced. But your responsibility is to pull open the lid, stick in your fork, and taste and see that the Lord is good and adore him with everything you have and every way you can. You say, but I'm so afraid of fanaticals. Listen, I get it. We've had to deal with that, and we will continue to deal with that until Jesus returns. But I'll tell you what I'd rather do. I'd rather cool down a fanatic than try to warm up a corpse any day of the week. I would rather do that any day of the week. Now, why the enemy doesn't like this is because when you actually start worshiping, it doesn't just draw God's presence. It brings everything that God is with his presence. And that's why there is triumph. There is victory in your worship. I think Satan does more to stop churches and Jesus followers from worshiping God because he knows the power of what happens when God inhabits the worship of that person. 
Just think about it, church. The first murder that happened in your Bible, the very first murder, go look at it. The very first murder in your Bible happened in a worship service. That's right. Cain killed Abel because Abel's worship was rejected, was accepted, and his was rejected. And he killed him because his worship was received by God. Because Satan knows the power of what happens when God hears worship come out of you. Because your worship is a weapon, folks. It's not just his presence. It's not because of who he is. It's just not the ways I do it. It's what happens is everything comes with him. And a warrior comes with him. And when I worship, it is a weapon. That's why Psalm 149 will tell you things like this. Let the saints rejoice in this honor with songs for joy on their beds. May the praise of God be in their mouths and a double-edged sword in their hands. That worship coming out of you. That's why Psalm 82 says, from the lips of children and infants, <laughs> you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Those babies even singing. That little child, when they sing, Jesus loves me, can I tell you, it is literally destroying the enemy with the songs of an infant worshiping God. You look through the whole scripture. You look at King Jehoshaphat and Judah. Here they were, the Ammonites, Moabites, Midianites. They come in to destroy them. They didn't know what they were going to do. And they start worshiping God. And they start singing, praise you the Lord for his mercy endures forever. And when they started praising in the battle, knowing they were going to die, it says that God sent confusion on the enemy and the enemy killed themselves with the weapons designed for the people of God were turned back and they destroyed one another with their own weapons. I'm telling you that some of you will start worshiping the weapons Satan designed to bring against you, your marriage, and your family. Why don't you turn it back on him just with your worship and praise that God somehow will hold my hand and he will take me to the other side. Think about it. Paul and Silas in a prison. They didn't deserve this. They did everything right. Preaching, giving, sacrificing get locked in stocks and bonds and chains and in the midnight at midnight when it's all dark in, in a jail cell with other prisoners they turn their chains into tambourines they turn their stocks into, in, into kick drums and they start worshiping the Lord and the Bible says at midnight God sends an unexpected earthquake and all of a sudden the jailhouse floor begins to shake and the doors fly open and all of their chains come off I'm telling you your worship can free you out of the very bondage that you're in right now I mean, my Bible even tells me in Isaiah 54, verse 1, that the barren woman, he says, start singing your song, barren woman. Start worshiping God. He says, because the day's coming when you're going to have more children than the woman who's already got them. Start worshiping God in the middle of it. When Joshua and the people of Israel marched around the walls of Jericho, they marched around seven times, said, don't say a word, but on the seventh time, he said, begin to shout and begin to blow the trumpets and begin to shout. And you know the story, the walls begin to come down. I just wonder how many of you are just one lap away and one shout away from the wall that seems to be up there stopping you from going forward begins to come down. Some of you are one shout away. One shout away. The Spirit of the Lord is here. And we're going to bless His name today. We're going to bless His name.